I think it's a great book for someone who's struggling with people pleasing. And we touched on that earlier, which I know a lot of people struggle with. Uh, so if you're a people pleaser, you should probably read this book. Um, if you need to get a thicker skin, this is the best book that I see that's out there. It's time for another episode of the Cold Star Project, the podcast about the unexpected challenges of scaling businesses. And I'm back with Mark Mawinney and his second appearance. Thanks for being here again, Mark. Yes. I feel like, uh, who, who isn't on David Letterman, Bill Murray, that shows up like 20 times? Huh. Well, Murray? but I want you back because you have experience yeah. and you have a point of view that not many people share uh, about, you know, because you've been punched in the face, as I like to say, right? You, you've been punched in the face, knocked down, kicked in the nuts and gotten back up. <laughs> uh, the, created this thing called the Coaching Jungle, which is a mm -hmm. Facebook group. Uh, and you've got 16,000 plus people in there now. I mean, it's, it's been there for several years and you've built it up and I've been there a fair chunk of the time, I guess. And it's one yeah. of my favorite groups Thank you. Uh, for participating in. I like to go through and find people who have a problem that I might be able to help them with and not, not as clients, just to give a response. And so when you see me answering, it's, I'm not going to say it's a special thing, but, <laughs> but it is something where I go, okay, this is an area where I could actually give some value. Right? Yeah, well, you actually give um, good advice and it doesn't come across as spammy, just, right. you know, looking for that sale. Like um, right. often in Facebook groups, when people are looking, it's they're people, humans are impatient by nature. They expect to put a Facebook comment in and immediately get a call booked and get a new client and, right. or clients. And, and you're, you, you're looking at the big picture, the long mm -hmm. game, which is great. That's the way to be. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a fun group. I mean, it's generally a good spirited group. They're positive people for the most part. They're not bitchy and moany, unlike some other groups. <laughs> we've, there's been our, we've had our moments, um, not with the whole group, but I post things at times that some people have taken offense to. And, mm. uh, but that, that's good. I would rather have a group that has uh, debate going back and forth and stuff than just being one that's uh, resembling a college safe space, uh, you know, that where yeah. nobody will ever get offended and everybody's feelings are, you know, we all hug teddy bears and say everything nice 100% of the time. I mean, right. that's not the real world. No yeah. offense to my American neighbors and your colleges. It's just, I'm not a fan of the current culture on uh, campus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's tough sledding there. So today we are going to talk about this book, Thick Face, Black Heart by Chin Ning Chu, Miss Chu. Yes. It is an unusual book. And Mark, you've been talking it up for a couple of years now, anyway, that I've known you and, and probably, uh, you know, much longer because five, it's, a, it's a personal book for you. Yes. Yes. When I first found out about it, it was 2014. But since then, you'd swear I'm a paid employee of the estate of Chin Ning Chu. I should have worked out a deal with her estate. She's passed away. Rest in peace. I talk about it so often, people would swear I'm a co-author or something. I'm not. Just I think it's a great book. It's, it's a very unusual book. Uh, I bought it, I don't know, a year and a half ago, something like that, because at your recommendation. Uh, and it's not a success book. It's not a, it is kind of a mindset book, but it's more like I like to think of it as an operations manual for realists. Yeah. Right? For people who have to actually walk through the, we have ideals, but the real world is often very sludgy. Right. And yes. um, while I live in a cooperative universe, uh, people are out there. I had a great call with uh, with a former intelligence community person this morning 
who is going to help me with an area of my business at no charge, right? And so that's the kind of cooperative thing that I'm talking about, right? But there are, as much as we would like everyone to be out there like that, uh, there are people who will hate your guts and want to take you down. And this book talks a lot about what to do about that, uh, how to be tough without being a monster, how to be effective without destroying everything around you in consequence, right? You know, there, there's yeah. a, a non-destructive um, ruthlessness that she talks about that, that I find very interesting. There's concepts in this book that I don't see in any other book. No. I read a lot. Right. So it's not a woo woo, uh, the secret, or for example, I just finished reading a book by Joe Vitale about the Hawaiian art of Ho'oponopono or whatever, where you walk around all day saying, I "I love you. you, I forgive you and all this and everything in the world's happening inside of us. So any wars in the middle East or whatever, and I'm thinking not to knock that it's whatever floats your boat. That's not my uh, style. I'm more of a meat and potatoes. Uh, like you said, it, her book's a manual to be ruthless, but in a good way mm-hmm. um, to get what you want, but you're going to help a lot more people that way as well. And that's how I view it. I say it's a, a lot like um, a combination of think and grow rich plus the art of war kind of mm. blend, put in a blender and hit the max. <laughs> <laughs> seven, yeah. seven out of 10 on the, the thrasher style. So let's begin with, with the title. This is going to put off North Americans, I think. Like, this, this is scary, right? But first of all, these two words generally don't go together, thick face, right? Mm, so yeah. let, I, I want you to tell me what these phrases mean to you. Let's start with thick face. Well, I mean, uh, thick face essentially is the ability to ignore criticism from others and uh, plow along, uh, push ahead, which is not easy to do, especially in 2019 with social media. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what it is. The ability to avoid the criticism of others. I have my well-worn copy here as well. I keep, it's usually on my desk mm. or close by. The way she wrote it, it's a uh, thick face of shield to protect our self-esteem from the bad opinion of others. Right. Um, a lot of, I mean, her point of view was coming from that Asian perspective, right? And it, she was very familiar with North America. Uh, but a lot of Asians are very interested in how they're perceived by others. Right. And, and so are a lot of regular North Americans. Right. I, yeah. I think we all have this thing. Uh, I have become more and more uncaring of what other people think. For the most part, there are still ways to jab at me where I can do better at this uh, over time, though, over the last five or six years, let's say. Yeah. I don't care what you think. I'm, I'm going ahead. I know what I'm doing. And you can say whatever you want from the sidelines. Uh, and in, say, 2012, that would have bothered me. Right. But it's 2019 now and I can just ignore it, you know? Yeah. So black heart. Now let's, let's talk about that. That sounds really scary, right? That, that says. Sounds like Darth Darth Vader or something. Yeah. Well that's um, taking action without worrying about the consequences. So that goes to the whole ruthless uh, thing, but she gives a great example in the book, which I like to uh, refer to. And, and if you were being operated on by a doctor, let's assume one of your limbs uh, had to be cut off to Mm. save your life or disease is going to spread and you're sure to die. uh, Would you rather have a doctor that's able to um, do the surgery, take that limb off without, um, 
chewing his or her fingernails and worrying about it and humming and hawing? Or would you rather have the nice uh, doctor that has to think about it and, and ponder it and talk it over? And the, uh, obviously, you'd rather have the ruthless doctor that can get that limb off to save your life uh, mm. with it. And she gives the example of um, uh, Ronald Reagan versus Jimmy Carter. Uh, Jimmy Carter is a smart man, um, but he had that... Um, he was much like the nice doctor that uh, ruminated on things and, and just um, showed his weaknesses out in public, was not ruthless in the ways he had to be. And Ronald Reagan, on the other hand, was um, the exact opposite, you know, with it. Uh, and that's one of the reasons he crushed him in 1980 as well with it. So that, that's, in a nutshell, what uh, Blackheart is. Okay. And I've heard Eisenhower have been referred to that way as well, uh, being the kind of guy you do want as a world leader who seems like he gives a damn about you and can say it and convey some warmth. But when it gets right down to it, he's a master of the strategic game. And that's what he loves and that's what he lives for. And he'll cut off the limb if he has to. <laughs> it's like, well. well, often the people who make it seem like they're not ruthless are usually the biggest snakes in the grass, right? Mm. Uh, and anyone who rises to become president has to have that. I mean, people like to compare Obama and Trump and say Obama's completely different. Trump's egotistical or whatever. I'm like, Obama had an ego. You have to have an ego to become mm -hmm. president of the United States. You, you'd have, you have to have a, something's a little screwy in your head because it's the, with the responsibility and everything else there mm -hmm. uh, with it. So let's not kid ourselves to think that certain presidents are above that uh, they're not they're humans mm -hmm. and, and they have to be ruthless to rise above the pack to get into the white house right yeah they're certainly not saints so let's talk about uh, i guess a lesson or two that we can draw from this book uh do you have any stories from your own experience of, <laughs> yeah of so uh, th there's a story that she tells late in the book which i stumbled on because i actually did it before i read the book <laughs> so okay. it was uh, was not planned uh, so I picked up the book. I first found out about it in 2014. And uh, I went through a bad business closure in 2009. That was one of the instances where Mark got punched in the nuts, like you were talking mm -hmm. about earlier. Um, so this was uh, this business closure happened five years before I first read Thick Face, Black Heart. And late in the book, she talks about something she calls the leapfrog theory. And uh, what happened was she was living in Portland, Oregon, uh, Chin Ning Chu, the author, and there was a position that was up for grabs to be a li liaison between the um, state government and business officials from China. And basically that person being the middleman and that person would have some really good opportunities uh, come in. They'd make some great connections and stuff. She got that position as a liaison and suddenly she had a lot of people in Portland, Oregon sniping at her that were jealous that she got it and they didn't get her. Their friends didn't get it. And they were doing everything they could to trip her up. And what Chin Ning Chu decided to do, she said, I'm tired of playing these little games. I'm going to leapfrog them. <laughs> I'm going to start writing books on Asian business theory for Westerners. I'm going to get into national newspapers, television. She's on Larry King and a bunch of other shows. And I'm going to leapfrog them. So whatever they do, they can't trip me up. I'm not playing in their little sandbox of Portland, Oregon. Uh, for me in 2009, after I went through that business closure in real estate, uh, I was facing the same thing, people trying to trip me up. You know, like I had a lot of um, people uh, running me down and trying to spread rumors. And I heard just some real crazy stuff. And there's a couple of years there that I tried to fight that. You know, I'd uh, talk to people and I would try to plead my case and I'd worry about what they're thinking, all that. I was in a smaller city than Portland, Oregon even. And I finally said, this is stupid. 
I said, I'm tired of playing these little games um, with these people in this little sandbox in Atlanta, Canada. And when I launched my coaching business in 2014, I used the leapfrog theory as well, not knowing that's what I was doing because it was just it was hmm. just before I'd actually read the book. Uh, but now everyone I deal with are people from uh, most of my clients are in the United States. I've been on tons of podcasts and, and different things, speaking gigs and so on. And I'm not concerning myself with petty local people who are trying to trip miserable and trying to trip you up. So right. that's a leapfrog theory. And I think a lot of people watching can apply that to their own lives. If they're in a local business, Hey, it's a big world out there. Seven plus billion people. You got access to the internet. You can leapfrog those people. Right. And there's a thing that I think people need to know about cognitive bias. It's uh, if you read some bad story about an individual, and it fits with your cognitive bias. And you're like, aha, I, al I always knew Tony Robbins was like that or something like that, right? Yeah. And then even if it comes out later that that story was completely false, <laughs> you will still keep your bad opinion of that person. And yeah. it's a horrible thing about human nature. But if you, so, so, so the, the takeaway from that for me is if you stay in that small pond and try and fight your battles there and plead your case, as you said, you're not, you're, you're in a losing battle. The gate, the gate, you know, it's stacked against you that deck, you know? Yeah. And you know, um, with my business, no one wants to go through a business closure. Obviously I would do things differently if I could go back in time, if I could hop in a DeLorean and go back in time. But that was sort of the, uh, they were thinking that, Hey, I did this on purpose. Yeah. Who starts a business and grows it to where it's at and then goes through, through all that just for shits and giggles. Mm. Um, edit that if you want <laughs> poops and giggles, um, with it. So, uh, yeah, it, in my neck of the woods, but I think this is probably true in a lot of other places, even where you're at, is um, there's a, a scarlet letter that people try to put on you if you go through a business closure. Mm. And especially in, in my part of the world, it's more conservative. It's not a terribly entrepreneurial place. Now, California, a little different. I've had people tell me in California, they won't invest in you unless you've gone through at least one or two business closures. Because if not, you haven't taken any risks. You haven't tried mm. anything. Uh, around here in this part of the world, if whenever there's a, a restaurant close or anything, it's front page news. Oh, gee, the big bad um, employer, you know, look at and the poor employees and they never look at the actual entrepreneur and think, hey, that person employed people, pay, right. paid a lot of money into the economy and taxes and so on. And uh, they're probably being left in much worse position. And that's just, yeah, that, that's life. I, I take the lessons from it, move on. And um, this book did help me move on for sure. Okay. She talks about <laughs> deception without sin in here. Uh, it, what can you tell us about that? Well, I mean, dece deception sounds like a, uh, a bad word, right? <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to think of themselves as being um, deceiving or so on. Um, you know, she tells some stories in there. A good example is the one, do you remember the story she told about the guy that she gave the list of radio hosts to and mm -hmm. got set so basically, here, here's an example. Um, she had taken time promoting her books. She compiled a list of radio hosts, and she was talking to a guy, and uh, he had hired a, pu a public relations company that wasn't getting him booked on many shows, or there's just little rinky-dink you know, radio stations in towns of 50 people. And she, out of the goodness of her heart, said, look, I would like to give you this, um, 
list. There's a whole bunch of names. I'll connect you with all these hosts. I'll get you on there. Now she values it at a, back then it would have been about a $30,000 value for every, cause there were some really good connections there. He took her help. Uh, but then he, um, he basically did something with her that was very thick face black heart. Um, and I won't get into the whole thing. You read the story. Uh, but in a nutshell, he was ruthless with her about some other business they were doing, but she didn't blame him. She said, you know what? He was just doing thick face black heart. He was employing. It was me. I made the mistake. She said, I was giving him this list to be nice and I wanted him to think I was nice. Um, but that's not the right way to do it. Um, and I should have charged him for it and said, Hey, look, this has taken years to compile. It has a value of this. Um, I'll sell you this or work out some sort of arrangements or, or so. So um, is it deceptive if she charges them? I don't think so. I think there's market value there and she should do it. Was he being deceptive uh, with it? Maybe a little bit, but he got $30,000 worth of stuff from it and she's not mad at him now. <laughs> she, she says he operated perfectly along the lines of this. So. Interesting. I think some people might have uh, trouble with that. I, I know I give away a lot of stuff and uh, it's probably stupid for me too <laughs> to do so. <laughs> But a lot of the people that give away stuff try to make it look like their mother Teresa, but they, uh, they're being very passive aggressive because they're not giving with, if you're giving someone something with no expectation right. of return, that's one thing, but they're giving with the, well, gee, I hope I get this person as a client or a customer mm. or, or whatever. So they're not truly giving uh, with it. I, what I like about this book is it's kind of like, okay, we're putting all our cards on the table here where everyone's out for number one, but you can help more people that way than if, um, if you're giving stuff away and you can't, um, you're not getting revenue into your business, you can't keep doing your business. So you're actually hurting people with that approach. Right. Okay. That, that makes sense. She talks about primitive killer instinct as well. What can you tell us about that concept and your experience with it? Well, I had to develop killer instinct from an early age because right out of university, I got into real estate and in real estate, you have to, if you don't uh, kill, you don't eat. <laughs> right. So um, there's no, uh, at least with my company, there's no salary to fall back on. Plus you were paying expenses. So when you left your cave, so to speak, every day with your spear, you better catch some food or you're not going to eat with it. So killer instinct can also go to, I see in the online space, um, it's needed because it's, it's that radar that's finely tuned for opportunities. And I'm constantly reminding my clients of this is that when something pops up, you see something pop through your newsfeed and that's an opportunity for you, reach out to the person, jump on it, don't overthink it. So a good example, if you're posting on your uh, Facebook, uh, we're connected on Facebook. If you're posting on your um, Facebook, Jason, that you were just interviewed by someone that I think I would be a great guest for that show, Killer Instinct means me sending you a message right away. Hey, Jason, I noticed you were interviewed by Mary for her blah, blah, blah podcast. I think I'd be a great fit for her. Would you mind connecting me with her? Most people don't do that, but then mm -hmm. they complain because they're not getting on podcasts. They don't know why they aren't. Right. Okay. So seize the day. <laughs> Take I know it sounds like a Hallmark card or they a don't cliche, do it. but it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's so many people who won't Google a term that they see somebody using, but they will well, say, what's that? You and know? this isn't politically correct to say yeah. in 2019, but you have to be like a fat kid on a smarty. That's what they used to say. <laughs> when I was a kid. You know, so if you see something you want, you jump on it. Uh, with it, you don't dither, you don't wait, wait, and you don't delay. And uh, not a lot of entrepreneurs have that killer instinct that they need. Yeah. Mark, do you have a favorite chapter or story from this book 
that uh, that you keep coming back to. You can see all the yellow stickies yeah. I got here. This isn't my first copy. I had literally pages falling out. So I'm looking through here to see because it's tough to narrow it down. Mm -hmm. the, leap, the leapfrog theory is one that constantly stands out uh, whenever um, I'm thinking of this book. Uh, the, the one I told you about her friend that got the $30,000 worth of stuff for mm -hmm. free. That's another one that stands out. Um, it's tough uh, to really narrow it down. Um, I actually wrote a, uh, one of my uh, issues of my print newsletter, Secret Coach Club. I shared the 10 uh, lessons from this book and I filled like 6,000 words or whatever with it. Um, one thing that I liked with it is um, she mentions in there, she doesn't use the term virtue signal, but she says don't, basically don't virtue signal. And what her point was, a lot of people out there are saying how good they are. And really, they're worse than the average person. Uh, if you look at uh, the Harvey Weinsteins of the world before Me Too broke, they were, uh, he was the worst predator out there, right? And a lot of these Hollywood people that are tweeting out support of Me Too, then I come find out that they were the ones that were, weren't behaving very well. So um, that would be a lesson from it that I, I don't put a lot of stock in vir virtue signaling. It's very easy to post something on your Facebook profile picture to show support for something or to be constantly talking about something. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily a good person. I look more at uh, other actions and the things that take mm -hmm. five seconds to do. And I find a lot of coaches, especially uh, virtue signal nonstop on social media. And it's a little nauseating at times. <laughs> right. Who, who's in a position to, to make the most use or be ready for the concepts of this book? Is there a, a mindset or a position somebody should be in to approach this book? I think it's a great book for someone who's struggling with people pleasing. And we touched on that earlier, which I know a lot of people struggle with. Uh, so if you're a people pleaser, you should probably read this book. Um, if you need to get a thicker skin, this is the best book that I see that's out there. So um, going back to people pleasing, being nice, you would think being nice is a good thing. I'm Canadian. Everyone says, Canadians, oh, you're so nice or whatever. I'm like, don't call me nice. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> but um, so, so that whole concept of being nice uh, for years, 10 years in real estate, people would, uh, I remember a fellow agent saying, Mark, I've never heard a bad thing about you, uh, which was crazy for the amount of business I was doing, the amount of deals. Now, I'm sure there were some people that were running me down behind closed doors, but for the most part, everybody said, Mark is so nice and all this other stuff. And I thought at the time it was a compliment, which he meant it as, but looking back, I thought that's not a great compliment because if I'm being told that I'm nice as an agent, it means that I'm not pushing hard enough for my clients when I'm negotiating on their behalf for deals. Because if I was pushing harder, some people would say, oh God, what a prick, right? Or whatever. Um, so I viewed it as a badge of honor for a long time. Now, after the business closure in 2009, that took care of that issue. I no longer had everybody saying they love me and I, I'm a super nice guy. But for years, I, I wore that as a badge of honor and it's not. And, and um, there's a great book by Robert Glover called No More Mr. Nice Guy, which I think would be a companion book for this one to read as well. But nice I'm not saying that you want to be um, an a-hole or a B-word all the time, but um, I don't think being nice is a great business strategy. And a lot of times it's masking people who are passive aggressive or, um, yeah, and so on. So, yeah. That's true. Well, I, I mean, I've given and given and given and been upset in previous years about people taking and taking and taking and wanting more and wanting personalized help for free. And it just gets upsetting. And I had to look at it and go, this is my fault. Yeah. I'm the one who decided to do the giving and put conditions on it. And now if I write something 
let's say 90% of the time, I still screw up sometimes. Uh, it's just thrown away out there. And if they like it, they like it. And if they don't, I don't care if I never hear about it again. Uh, yeah. She well, talks you, you, about, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, you and I were chatting before we hopped on here because I had somebody that had kind of screwed me around for booking right. a call. She didn't show up and then she rebooked because she's having tech issues apparently. Then she didn't show up today. That was a problem. I was being a nice guy by rescheduling and stuff, but I told her and I emailed her back. I said, don't book another call. <laughs> you know, good luck. I wasn't, you know, crying about it. I just said, uh, you weren't on the call today. Um, don't book, a, make another book. I'm not going to accept it. Now, a lot mm -hmm. of people would have trouble doing that because they think it sounds mean or whatever, but your time is valuable yeah. and you have to enforce boundaries and have respect for your business and yourself. Right. Yeah, and for those listeners who maybe have never run into that before, um, as the business owner, you can't get anything done in that situation where you're waiting around and somebody needs to keep booking and yeah. you can't leave, you can't go anywhere, you can't start any deep work. Yeah. You just got to sit there. What I think happens every time you um, bend on your boundaries or your principles and you say, well, I'm going to do it this time, you may not even realize it, but I think subconsciously you're your mind, you know, deep down that, um, it wasn't the right thing to do and mm. you're beating yourself up and you don't feel good about it. So you're really weakening yourself every time you do something like that. You know, even if you think you, you don't realize deep down, you're telling yourself that you're not, your time is invaluable. It's not worth it. If you're willing to cave for uh, unappreciative people like that. So that's where I'm really strict on my time now. Um, I would much rather spend a half an hour here doing this interview uh, with you, having a good interview, good chat, than waiting 30 minutes for someone not showing up on a, a discovery call. Right. Yeah. And it's, I've always been big on that. If I say I'm going to show up, that's when it's going to happen. You know, I'm going to be there or I'm going to message you saying, Hey, the internet's down or something like that. Right. Yeah. But, uh, we'll, we'll find a way. Yeah, well, being in real estate for 10 years, that ingrained in me the um, importance of being on time and, and mm -hmm. early. If you're on time, you're probably late. I always try to be a few minutes early because if you're showing a house and you show up five or 10 minutes late, the buyer's probably gone or they're going to go with another agent. Same thing with listing their home. So I was really a stickler. If I was ever, uh, believe it or not, we do have some traffic here in Atlanta, Canada. If I was ever <laughs> stuck in traffic, I would call the homeowner. Hey, look, I'm really sorry. I just want to give you a heads up. I'm stuck. Here. And that was ingrained uh, starting at 21 years old. So now in my second life here coaching, I'm really conscious of people's time. If I was going to be late for this, if something happened, I would message you, hey, Jason, I'm really sorry. Um, whatever happened, I'm going to be five minutes late and want to give you a heads up. Yeah. A lot of people wouldn't do that. Yeah, agreed. And it's keeping promises to yourself, even more so than uh, hmm. to that other person. She's got a great story here I'm going to finish up with very early on about this mental picture that I think will stick with people say there's a, a lion in a cage and you want it to jump through a hoop. She says you could send two different people in there wearing the same clothes, saying the same words, using the same gestures. And one, the lion will leap through the hoop and comply. And the other person will end up as a bloody yeah. mess on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And this yeah. book is about the difference, what that intangible difference is 
between getting the one result or the other. And speaking of the lion, that ties into her other point that the world is a lot like a jungle. And when you're weak, you may not realize it, but you're telegraphing that to other mm -hmm. people out there. And the uh, lions out in the business world will eat you alive if you're uh, showing any type of weakness like that. We don't even realize it, but we can pick up on those uh, sort of things with it. So, I, I mean, there's so much in this book. It's the type of book you can read once a month, every two months and pick up new things. I'm always getting new things from it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've been through it three times. Yeah. I got it. And I need to read it again because you mentioned the story there that I don't remember. So. <laughs> but it's a thick book. In a sense, it's 360 odd pages. You know, it's not, it's not a Jack Canfield candy you know, reading on the toilet kind of thing. It's, uh, it's, it's not stuff crystals in your bra and manifest your dreams and, and things like that. It's not the secret. Uh, if that's your, well, actually you should read it. If you're into the secret and stuff, you should give this a try just to see how the, we live on the dark side, right? Come to the dark, <laughs> the, join the dark side. There's <laughs> some contrast. And everybody yes. who is in the uh, manifestation world should know that contrast is incredibly valuable. All right, Mark, uh, let's say somebody's watching and they've enjoyed hearing you talk and want to hear more about you or from you. Where should they go? What should they do? Uh, well, there's naturalborncoaches.com's the central hub, but the Coaching Jungle Facebook group that we talked about is at thecoachingjungle.com. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here today to talk about thick face, black heart. Thanks for being here, Mark. Yeah, thanks, Jason.